Hi, everyone. This is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome back. So next week, we're going to have an NFL draft, we hope. Um, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but so far, it looks like it's all set to go. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do for it. Um, I haven't been invited to anything, obviously. Um but I'll do a live stream or something um, to try and have a party around the NFL draft, even though it's going to be virtual. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, as it is every year. Um, but before we get to next week, um, like I want, I want to do a... Next week's going to be a solo show. I'm going to go through my pre-draft rankings, do one last reshuffle, revisit to rankings, and talk through my pre-draft rookie board, which has been up on Patreon this whole time. But I'm going to lock them in. Um, move on uh, and see what the post draft brings. I mean, my ranks pre draft for uh, last few classes are all up there and locked. Like, I like to lock in pre draft opinions just so I can look back at them and see how they changed and what I can improve in my process. I mean, you can still go see me being higher than uh, Kalen Bellage than Jalen Samuels um, from not so long ago. And that was me maybe overvaluing the potential of a three down skill set in a player that, on tape at least, didn't look like he had the skills to fulfill the role in the NFL over a player who was exceptionally good at one thing. So that's a mistake in that year's class. But that's all next week. This week, we have one more chance to fit in a player conversation before we get talking about these rookies a lot more intensely and then thinking about landing spots and ranks and 2020 rookie drafts. And... I decided to invite Michael Lewin. Uh, he, he was great. I really enjoyed talking to him. Unfortunately, like I don't spend a lot of time talking about my hit rates or how great I am or how I'm really going to stick to my opinion. Man, um, promise you're going to see. And I guess I should apologize for that because it's become really popular, but it's not really what my focus on. Like I'm coming up, Bobby Koch reminded me today on Twitter on a three-year history of actually doing those things. So hopefully the actions... Are more interesting to you than me constantly talking about how I'm going to do it, because the, it's certainly more interesting to me to just you know go go ahead and do you know the the basics of what you should expect anyone trying to commentate or predict anything should do. Um, but the downside of having that three year history is they're wise to my act, man. I could not draw Michael Liu into an argument. I specifically asked him. Uh, to talk to me, one because he's a really intelligent guy. I really love the stuff he's doing over the uh, the BDGE on YouTube and um, Top Dog Dynasty, and he's got a podcast um, called Bunk Bed Fantasy. It's really great. Um, but also because he mentioned something about Devonte Parker, who's an interesting anomaly. Specific uh, doesn't really compare to past breakouts uh, kind of player, 
Um, and that relates to an undrafted free agent. So we can have one last undrafted free agent argument before we get to talking about 2020 rookies and those undrafted free agents, maybe. Um, I want to have him on and have an argument, but he's wise to my act, man. I could not draw him out. I could not bait him. I could not force him into uh, overstating an argument or using a stat in a way that it should not be used. And he knows. He knows my game. And so, unfortunately, what it ended up being is a very rational, reasonable conversation of people, two people stating the best case, or at least one version of the best case um, for both player. Um, relative to their value in drafts right now, in startup drafts. So it's really, I thought it was a really interesting conversation for two really interesting players going into the next season. But yeah, I could not force him to be unlikable or argumentative. He was just very reasonable, very rational. That was somewhat disappointing for me, but hopefully it translates into a good conversation to you guys. Um, Hope you enjoy it. I will see you next week, uh, both Uh, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch, and on YouTube, talking about the NFL draft, pre-draft rankings, and then obviously with the draft, everything that changes. Um, So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are too. Hit me up at PA Howdy on Twitter if you have any questions or anything like that, I guess. Um, And for now, enjoy one last conversation about interesting players from last year's class before we get overwhelmed and forget all about last year's players and start focusing on the new shiny things from this year, as Zachary would say. Um, thanks again for listening, and I will see you all again next week. Bye. <laughs> I, really, I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think I get but uh, three people ever watching live videos, but where everyone's bored and quarantined, every now and again they'll end up on YouTube or Twitch to watch a replay. So <laughs> that's, yep. pro- that's probably as much as far as we'll get. Yeah, I really didn't have to start plan. Um, welcome in, Mike. Uh, you are at Mike up Mike or something like that on Twitter, right? At Mike me up with two P's. Mike me up. That's right. Uh, you're the first one that turns up when I type in M I, so I never have to learn the rest. <laughs> so that's been very useful to me. Um, yeah, I saw you tweeting the other day about how great Preston Williams was, so I thought we should have you on. Um, to talk about why everyone should target this undrafted free agent. That was about the gist of it, right? <laughs> yeah, the exact opposite. I actually like Preston. Oh, Williams, oh yeah. Now you can't, you can't, you can't do that. It's like ah, I, I like everyone. There's way too much. It's it's getting past nice. I'm actually going to give you reasonable advice part of the season and getting into. I'm going to stand on my hill. Like it, it's it's time we stop um, hedging. I like it yeah. from That's here true. on. From That's here on true. out, I like to put myself on a ledge where I can be owned. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, no on the hill. it's way more fun so, that way, anyways. So many people are so good at saying everything in a way that you can never really call them out for it later, and it's like, well, where's the fun? Where's the fun in that? In the fact you actually really like everyone, but don't draft these guys. I mean, come on. Um, but no, you were arguing that uh, Preston. Nope, sorry, did it again. Uh, Devonte Parker is a great value, right? Yep. I think he's incredible value right now. He's going inside the top 100 picks, though, right? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, ADP is always tricky, right? Like, in the th- last two to three drafts that I've done, um, I think the earliest he went was in the ninth round of Superflex, and then in the DLF Champions, I got him in the 11th. So I'd say, like, somewhere in that 8 to 10 range, basically. But, yeah. Yeah, um, DLF has him 74th, and Preston Williams is uh, the real wide receiver you want. I mean, um, he's 113, <laughs> but th- there's definitely a range there. I can accept that. 
Um, how about wide receiver ranks? Where would you put him if you were to rank Devontae Parker? Maybe that's easier uh, than ADP. Yeah. So, I mean, I have him ranked in that wide receiver three range. So, somewhere in the, like, I think mid to high 20s last time I checked my rankings. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where I have him. That's decent. So, you think he's a top 24 wide receiver? That's more than uh, a wide receiver three. A top 30, top 30s, top 30 wide receiver. But, yeah. No, Spaceman's founders. Hey, Spaceman. How you doing? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just a three. I think we should probably just add Spaceman to the chat. Um, it's thirty seventh overall in wide receiver ADP, but that includes rookies. Um, Preston Williams is not far. Well, it's pretty far off at wide receiver fifty. I'm asking because I thought it'd be good to like give an idea of what we're talking about here in terms of value. Like, if you have him as a top three, you still you're not expecting top twenty four production. Or you think you can get that for a th- the price of a wide receiver three? Which one are you, you saying? I think you can get wide receiver two production for the price of a wide receiver three. I mean, very similar to someone like Robert Woods, for example, right? Who's going in that like high 20s, like wide receiver 27, 28. But he's like producing at the high end of a wide receiver two for the past two years. All right. That's neat. Um, yeah, I kind of want to start just team level almost. Like... Because one of the interesting things I've been noticing trying to make projections for 2020 is Miami's passing attempts have kind of been... Well, it's got some of the most variants over the last three years, put it that way. They were over 600 twice and then under 500 once. Mm-hmm. Um, and under 500 is particularly low, really, um, over the last three years in the NFL. Um, and, you know, this isn't going to happen. But uh, teams that produce two top 24 wide receivers on average, pass about 594 times, and Miami being over 600 twice. It just kind of, the two numbers collided in my head in a very ugly way. You don't yeah. think there's any chance both of these guys hit the top 24. We're not talking about that kind of situation, right? No, it happens about twice so. a season, one and a half times a season or so. Yeah. All right. Um. So, But do you think Miami's in the passing attempt range where we can expect a top 24 wide receiver? I think so. I mean, I guess it depends on like where where their quarterback situation is going to be, right? I mean, going into it, people were thinking that it was going to be a Tua plus Fitzpatrick kind of Tua's riding the bench for a bit as he gets healthy with Fitzpatrick there. Um, I mean, I love Fitzmagic for fantasy. So if he's out there slinging it, uh, I definitely see someone finishing in the top 24. And I we we just can't good. get over the one Fitzmagic season, can we? we, we just, <laughs> that's happening. I mean, that. Uh, we can. Um, I saw someone posting the other day. That's when we think of it. Um, Jameis Winston versus Fitzpatrick, and they're both very similar. But Winston is actually superior, which is probably the only time you get to say that. <laughs> In most of the things that you care about over over the long haul, of course, Fitzpatrick's got a longer career to yeah. drag his average down. So maybe Winston will end up in that range as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Fitzpatrick's definitely uh, capable of bringing the magic. We do know that. Yeah. Um, all right. So Miami, you're not hot on the team. This isn't so. This isn't you expecting the team to explode. No, it's get not, better. It's not like I don't think they're going to be like a top offense by any means or anything like that. They're still pretty bad. I mean, they're in the early stages of the rebuild. I, I like where they're going, like maybe long term, in that maybe two to three years. But I mean, it's going to be pretty similar like this year to prior years. Yeah, because if we go for the through the player level, Parker's already weird. I mean, weird for a whole bunch of reasons. One, because um, he, he was something of an analytical miss, uh, at least for the first, what is it now, five years of his career? Yep. And um, where he was, 
analytically, he was a pretty good prospect um, with a young breakout age and everything else. Um, the reason he's weird in that way um, is that wide receivers, especially with first-round draft capital, don't tend to break out after their third year, let alone after their fourth. Yeah. So he's in this weird sample. It's not like we can say, and what happens normally after that is X, because there is no normally. Like, that yep. d- doesn't happen, right? You've got um, Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt's the only one I can think of that had a 1,000 yards after not doing it through the first three years of his career with first-round draft capital. He did it in year eight, and in year nine, he sucked again. So that that's, that's a historical comp for a late breakout like this. Um, do you think Preston Williams, do you think the breakout last year, well, why do you think he finally broke out last year? Maybe that's uh, the question. I mean, he wasn't doing too hot in the beginning of the year, right, when Josh Rosen was there. I think, I mean, Fist Magic kind of covered this a little bit, but Parker is someone that's like a momentum player. So if he doesn't get momentum in the early in the game, he's basically like a non-factor. And if you watch like some of the games, like Fitzpatrick made it like a pretty made it obvious that he was trying to like get his guy the ball to kind of get him going. And then also early on in his career, he just like struggled with injuries like every single year, from what I remember, uh, with the exception of maybe his junior, his third year. But every year he seemed to be like hurt, missing time, missing training camp, what have you. So, I mean, it's really hard to like kind of judge on stuff like that. But that's like what we see on the surface level, at least. Hat tip spaceman. Um, yeah, but again, we've seen that before. We've seen a lot of players miss time because of injuries or because of suckage. Um, in the case of Laquan Treadwell, uh, and they still don't normally bounce back. I've never heard anyone refer to a wide receiver as momentum player before. I'm honestly not quite sure what to do with it. And so what I'm going to take away is that you think the ball is being forced to him after the first half of the season, right? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. He's he's getting fed for sure. Uh, If we look at like his passing volume from transition from Josh Rosen to to Parker, I mean, when I say fed, I mean like just like in terms of momentum in the game, uh, I could definitely see like, maybe this is a myth. I I think about it in terms of like basketball, you know, uh, where Mm -hmm. like, that where you get get hot remember like the old nba <laughs> game where you would like sink like three three pointers and then you're all of a sudden you're on fire right that's right, right. I, that's kind of what i took away from when uh fitz magic made that uh made that comment about parker okay <laughs> yeah um i i don't disagree with you and parker i think he's really interesting and i think where he's going he's he, he's someone i don't mind speculating on at that value um although i did see you know when you're looking at the wide receivers he's being drafted around. There's a lot more wide receivers I'd kind of want as well, if not over him, um, compared to Preston Williams, who's going like below or just ahead of a very overdrafted McCall Hardman and some other players I wouldn't have interest in. So it's just a lot easier to get Preston Williams, which brings me like, um, I, I don't mind the Preston, uh, the Devonta Parker love at all. It, may, it makes a lot of sense to me, but Versus Preston Williams, if we don't think there's two top 24 wide receivers on the team and it's going to be one or the other, like I like that value obviously better than Williams, but let's let's not hedge. If I'm going to choose one, like I, I like what Preston Williams did better. Uh, yeah, I mean, because think- he was the one being fed at the start of the season when it wasn't being forced because there was no one else on the depth chart. He was the one who had, you know, more, well, he had a higher rate of red zone touches. Uh, essentially, because he he was used in the red zone more often on the time that he was on the field before he, I think it was his ACL got torn, wasn't it? 
yeah, yeah, which is a worry to be fair. So he was getting much more value opp- valuable opportunity at the start of the season, not when the depth chart became diminished because there wasn't someone else on there. And that just seems like a better indication of who's better when they're both on the field. Yeah, so that might be the case, but uh, I think like my perspective on this whole thing is like there's other pieces of information that I'm trying to take into account since that's happened. So since that's happened, I mean, uh, one, they made the quarterback change. Preston played most of his time with Josh Rosen, I believe. He played a couple with Fitzmagic as well. And then second, like Parker got paid, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like that's a pretty strong signal to me in terms of extending his contract. And if he was like really, really bad, uh when when being given the ball towards the end i'd probably be a lot more worried but he wasn't like he was he was pretty damn good and like the most memorable game that i could remember is when parker basically went up against uh stefan gilmore at the end of the season there against the patriots and like he took stefan gilmore who's arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the league through the shredder so uh, and so like it's just like those pieces of information i'm trying to take into account and like i want job security i know he has job security and with Preston, I just don't have those same, you know, the same safety blankets. Well, I don't know you know he has job security. We think he does. And it's a good idea to follow the money. I don't want to object to it. Just we, we don't know that at all. Team NFL teams drop cap constantly. Um, and this is a player they constantly have not want to be proved wrong with. That, that's the good thing, especially as someone who's drafting Devontae Parker back when he was a rookie like he's one of the few rookies that the team just kept rolling over their bet because of I guess sunk cost and you know eight games at the end of his fifth year season tearing up one good quarterback or a couple let's just say he tore all the good cornerback like that's on the back of a five-year history of him not doing any of that and I know career arc, I guess, is mattering to me a little bit. You've got a rookie coming in as an undrafted free agent, forcing his way onto the field, doing everything Preston uh, Devontae Parker did in the last half of his fifth season, but in the first half of his rookie season, that's just a lot more impressive to me. <laughs> uh, was he uh, was he as good as Parker was down the stretch early on? I don't think he was. How do you want to measure it? Uh, um, one of the most predictive stats we've got is like Whopper, right? So yeah, weight adjust weight adjusted air yards essentially. They have virtually identical whopper. And again, uh Parker did it in uh thirteen games and uh Preston Williams did it in eight. Yeah. And again, as an undrafted free agent rookie, that's that that's that's a lot more impressive than a fifth year first round pick to me. Cause I, I mean Again, I'm accepting that Miami is a little in this particular situation. The draft capital still seems to matter, but usually it doesn't by this point. Yeah, normally it doesn't. Um, I mean, it's a fair push. Like, I think when it just comes down to it, like, I just, I still like to, I still like to follow the money. Uh, and I, I understand that definitely teams can definitely drop. And we just saw Brandon Cooks or Brandon Cooks, for example, and even guys like Nuke get kick to the curb for salary concerns but at least in the near term i mean in this next year i think he's kind of earned the opportunity and it's i view it as his to like kind of lose back to preston williams because if you're an undrafted free agent you're constantly fighting that uphill battle right and even though draft capital shouldn't matter in the fifth year i think that you know we i don't i don't really make the assumption that nfl gms are rational on a base level um that's fair so that's kind of like where i'm coming from but that's the thing. I'm trying to take it. You're, you're betting that the coaches are going to be rational, and I'm saying the players are going to force the issue, and this player's been more impressive with less going for him, or as impressive with less going for him. 
that to me makes me lean Williams a little bit. Yeah. I mean, assuming that uh, NFL GMs actually use some of these more advanced metrics, do you think they look at the Whopper? Or do you think they look uh, at No, the but I think they understand when they're getting what they're getting from a player. Like, you know, Blair Andrews has shown that players that are efficient in their first year are actually much more likely to get more opportunity in their second year. And so however they're measuring it, they're able to notice they're getting how much they're getting back for how much they're putting in to some extent. Um, and Miami, maybe no one knows what a number is. I don't know. It's not exactly, not exactly the franchise I think of when I think of uh, uh, advanced metric-driven franchise, but it just like targets per game. If you even want to yep. go across per game stats, their seasons are remarkably similar. However, and however simply you want to measure the player, except for maybe total receiving yards. But again, you've got one player playing for 13 games and one player playing for eight. And the rate, the value. And again, if we want to talk about the players themselves, which I kind of do. That's what it comes down to me. Your argument uh, or your point about the the money definitely makes sense. And so the only way it turns out to be Williams, if only one of them ends up in the top 24, is if the players force the issue. Yeah. Um, and I always kind of think at wide receiver, they have that ability. Um, and I'm really encouraged to see Devontae Parker become some of what his promise was in the league. I do think he's a good player. Um, but Preston Williams kind of overcame a lot to in order to get his opportunity and then did pretty much the best Parker has ever done in his first year as an undrafted free agent. That, that to me means maybe this player has the ability to force the issue a little bit more um, when they're both on the field. Now, something, something that I remember about your thread was about when they were on the field, though. Didn't you compare their actual performances when they are on the field? Because I, I haven't looked game by game. No, I was looking at um, Miami splits. So, like, what, right, what Miami right. looked like with Josh Rosen. So, like, in the first five weeks, they had, like, uh, right. quarterback total offense. They had, like, 176 passing yards. And then the remainder, which is when, like, Parker started lighting it up as well, they had, like, 344 yards of offense and 266 yards passing. So, the offense as a whole... That's why it's like it's always like challenging for me to do splits, and I know you hate splits too. It's like <laughs> I can't hard to isolate for like what factor is really contributing to that, right? Is the split for Parker because solely because Preston Williams got hurt? Is it because they switched from Rosen to uh, Fitzmagic? Is it because the offense picked up as a whole? Like I don't, I mean, I don't really have the the right answer for that, but I, those are like certain factors I was trying to dig into basically. Technically, everything I was saying on the Preston Williams side is a split, or the problem with a split. And again, when you've got limited information, you have to go with what you've got. Like I do hate splits, especially when they're used to project forward. It's just a fallacy of a, this player got a three touchdowns in his first game. He's due 90 million touchdowns over the course of his career, and it's easy to fall into it. So I try to remember to hate snaps because it's more memorable than, you know, be careful. Um, but yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, just when I'm talking about the games they played, essentially it's got the same problem. We don't know what happens with a larger sample. Maybe... Parker forces his way past Williams, even if he was still on the team without an ACL problem. And that's, you know, you haven't even tried to hammer him for having an ACL problem. And, and one of the reasons, well, one of the reasons I think he was undrafted or less touted, perhaps, I know you mentioned some off-field problems, which sound horrific. So it's not like I'm arguing for a great guy or anything, not that I know him, but um, he only played three games, uh, three and four games, both of his first two seasons. So he really only played one full season at the age of 21, which is why I had a later breakout season. So I apply, you know, uh, I have tropes that I argue. And if you if you don't see him play eight games or more before 
the age of 20, you can't really judge him too harshly for having an older breakout age. That's roughly yeah. what I do. And again, in that last season at age 21, he was phenomenally productive, became the wide receiver one, despite, you know, that being the only year he played for them significantly, had a 46% dominator rating in that single year. And so he was a really good prospect in that one year. We just knew less, we know less about him because he didn't play ages 18 to 20. But we do know the first year he got to the NFL, which is an even harder level, he pushes his way onto the depth chart, earns on a rate basis um, uh, a similar amount of production and opportunity, and in fact, a higher amount of valuable opportunity in the red zone. Again, he had mm -hmm. um, fewer touchdowns, but over a small period of game. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the overall argument. I think that's... Uh, we. I would like to keep hammering it away at it to make it 30 minutes long. But at the end of the day, that's what we're saying. Both are really good values right now being underlooked because they're on a bad team, but plenty of top 24 wide receivers come from bad teams. Yep. And it's just normally not the proving ground where you like to hunt. But when there's already one there, like Jarvis Landry was there for years and did just fine, for example. Um, and I can make an argument that, you know, uh, Preston Williams has always been pushed down by better competition, such as Landry. But I think to compare Preston Williams to Landry at this point would be way too split argument uh, for me. <laughs> He's obviously... You mean partner, you mean partner he, to Landry? Sorry. No, um, Preston. Uh, oh, okay. That's what I'm... I could say that, you know, every time a good, better player is on the team, like Landry, Devontae Parker falls into the background. Got so it. maybe Preston Williams can do that. But we just haven't seen enough of Preston Williams to compare him to someone as good as Travis Landry. So... Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a fallacy there on my own part, but I think that's it. You're betting on um, either way you go, and you can get both, frankly. But I wouldn't recommend stacking your depth chart with Miami players necessarily. <laughs> but if you miss on one, uh, I don't mind taking the miss on Parker. I don't mind taking the the cheaper bet on Preston Williams because he did show a lot in his first year, considering his career arc and how little he had going for him in terms of, like we said, draft capital. Uh, and it's unlikely that both hit the top 24. So I think I think I, we actually got there. I think that's all of it. We're just going to be passing that back and forth, right? Is there anything else we're missing? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think so. Those are like, those are the key things that I think of um, when it comes to the situation. And dude, this is coming from like, I I was like all out on Parker, man. I thought I left this guy for right. And I Me too. I thought he was totally fraudulent. So to kind of see him make this giant leap in his fourth year was was a bit shocking to me. So I'm like, I'm still cautious, but I'm like optimistically cautious. So I would put it. I get it. And especially when you notice that he's going that late, right? Yeah. Um, you know, outside the top 24 and he's already had a top 24 season. That's just kind of always a good bet to make. Um, so yeah, I, that, that, that was my reaction to your tweet. I retweeted it and I was like, yeah, I agree with that. And then you mentioned Preston Williams. I was like, wait, that's an undrafted free agent. Those are my guys. You can't come at my undrafted free agents. Um, horrible, though their off-season antics may be. Um, I was going to mention some vacated target stuff there, but I don't have it. Can you think of anyone that's leaving the Miami Dolphins? I honestly can't. No, because I think Albert Wilson is like still there, right? Albert Wilson is still there. So yeah, I, I think he's still on the different. Yeah. And something that I've recently been poking around in is added targets using the same logic. Yep. You know, if players come to the team. Um, and interestingly enough, the majority of breakouts happen in the most stable of situations in terms of targets leaving or tar targets arriving, interestingly. And the, the, the rate of hit like isn't as high. 
but like the majority of breakouts happen when the team has lost and added an average or below average number of targets, interestingly enough. And since like I can't see a lot of depth charts happening in Miami, I almost want to make that kind of argument too, but I'm nowhere deep enough in it that I can actually why, why push you, it. Uh, why do you think that is? Is it just because like overall coaching stability? Is is it like coaching noise that's causing like up and downs in targets or what's causing it? Yeah, I don't know yet i don't know that i will know my my problem my main problem as much as an ass as i am about it on twitter is that i hate numbers that no one's even bothered to test it's like this means wonderful things i'm like uh, can you answer one simple question about the history of it no then you don't know that yet yeah and vacated targets is almost the worst now john daigle tracks him and i dm'd him and he's gonna try and dig up so i know he's done his research right but most people saying vacated targets um evan silver obviously knows uh, but um most of us just bantering around about missing opportunity like we we have no idea if it means anything i don't i have never read an article or seen a history of it and i'm like so i know i'm pretty confident that no one else has and i hate because that's how stats get a bad name it's like this means this and then it doesn't and then someone finally does the work and like oh actually no that's not how we can use it but no one trusts it anymore when you find the utility so i'm like I'm not sure I'm going to be the one to uncover the mystery of vacated targets, but I can create a data set and I can tell you what I can tell you about it. And then hopefully it'll uh, spark some information on someone else too. And we'll finally get to the bottom of it. Now, what I think I'm seeing and I'm not finished yet is exactly what you said. I think we're catching some portion of team intent, which is why it's got so much variance in it. Cause you can intend as much as you want. Yeah. But sometimes it just, you know, you can intend. I don't think Miami honestly ever intended for Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs to be their two best wide receivers. Teams are remarkably, like we just said, addicted to their draft capital. Like they mm-hmm. really tried to force the issue by literally drafting a first round wide receiver after they both started to break out and then try to force him onto the team for two years and found out, no, these two are just phenomenal. Okay, we'll keep them yeah. off the field. Um, so intention uh, is always going to have that kind of variance. But yeah, especially when I started to dig into it, the idea of added targets and net targets and the fact that stability is where most breakouts happen. I think what I'm seeing, at least in my muggins kind of mind, is exactly that, that when teams have got a young wide receiver on their team they think can pick up the slack, they're like, why, why will we do anything here? In fact, maybe we'll drop a few, but we're good, we're good. So not much changes. Um, and the same way when uh, they've got a player on the roster, f- there isn't a young player, but they're very comfortable with, and they don't add to the depth chart, so there's no one to compete. So there isn't a higher level competition, and the 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 competent player, like a like a um, Crowder and a Robbie Anderson, are able to outcompete success- successfully these lower quality players. And so I think that's why stability might produce the most breakouts. Yeah. Um, but again, it doesn't happen at a higher rate because most teams are stable compared to these situations where you're seeing a lot of targets or yeah. uh, you know high target players or a lot of low target players leave or enter the depth chart. But that's my that's my inkling right now. Is there a player you're targeting? Not to let all these secrets out of the bag or anything, but um, yeah, over the others. I've been like sending out just a bombardment of trades throughout all my leagues uh, in the past week or so. So I basically <laughs> go and analyze all my all my rosters, see what I want to do uh, on my championship rosters. I'm kind of looking to trade down and get younger assets. Uh, so, for example, 
you know, I think I traded out of like DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen and got like Ridley, Sanders, and uh, DK. So I'm always looking for moves like that across my roster. Sanders is someone that I've been I've been looking at, uh, pretty interested in, and especially when I'm looking to like trade down of like a stud running back. So trying to get like Sanders plus something back to add more depth. That's one move that I've been doing. What's going on here, man? I do think he acquired more of the role than the naysayers of the Pedersen offense or whatever it is were saying. Like he definitely have a larger role than most running backs we've seen in that offense recently. Could you tell us all where we can find you, where we can find your work, what you're working on right now, and everything else about uh, Michael Lou and how awesome you are before we get out of here? Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, you can find me at uh, Mike, M-I-K-E, me, M-E-U-P-P, up on Twitter. Uh, so I'm always on there shooting the shit with people. You know, if you want to ask questions, whatever you want, that's cool. Uh, I do, you know, writing for DLF, and then also I have the podcast called Bunk Bed Breakdowns over at bdg fantasy so we're mostly on youtube but we do convert to uh podcasts as well so that's kind of where i'm at i mean i'll be working a lot on the draft guide we just released it uh bigdogsdraftguide.com and we're kind of like periodically releasing stuff obviously after the draft it's going to be a ton of work and updating to try and get all those profiles out um but yeah that's where you can find us and then lastly the discord uh you can uh, find that uh on my twitter but uh, if you join the Discord channel, it's just a community, a bunch of guys. So probably some of the guys on the, in your channel right now are from the Discord chat. And we're just on there talking fantasy, uh, joining new leagues, and uh, just having fun. It's pretty much it. Um, thanks very much. And I'll see you again next time. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.